Welcome to the Connect Church Podcast. Our mission is to connect the disconnected to a growing relationship with God. You can connect with God, and we can help. Hey Connect, thanks so much for joining us today. It's good to be with you. If we haven't had a chance to meet yet, my name's Jake and I get to serve as the Creative Arts Director here at Connect. But for those of you that do know me, you know that doing this is quite a bit out of my comfort zone. But I'm excited to share with you what God has had on my heart and to see how he speaks to each of us through this message. But before we get started, let's just pause and pray that it would be the Holy Spirit that speaks and not just me. Would you join me in prayer? God, we just come before you this morning. We thank you for who you are. Thank you for your Holy Spirit. As we'll learn today, God, your Holy Spirit's with us. And I know that your Spirit was with me in the preparation of this message. Would you be the one who speaks? Would we hear from you today? We trust you. We love you and praise you in your name. Amen. What is it that holds us back? Now, I know that question could be about a lot of things. Maybe it's What holds us back from pursuing a new job opportunity? What holds us back from putting ourselves out there and meeting new people? Maybe it's what holds us back from getting up at 5 in the morning and going to the gym to get shredded. Or, more importantly, what is it that holds us back from living out our faith in Jesus? If you're like me, the answer is pretty much the same for all those things. They're just uncomfortable. Whether legitimate or completely made up in my own head, discomfort is by far the primary reason that I don't do many of the things that I know I should be doing. It's a convicting thought. The number of times an opportunity has presented itself for me to share Jesus with somebody that I have intentionally chosen to ignore is super hard to admit. Does this ever happen to you guys? You're going about your day, minding my own business, when all of a sudden that quiet but pesky familiar voice inside says, Hey, see that person over there sitting by themselves? You should go talk to them. Maybe tell them about Jesus. Or at least ask them how you could be praying for them. Oh, shoot. I immediately start to panic. My brain races, coming up with every single possible scenario of how things could go down. And they're usually pretty dramatic, if I'm being honest. Are they going to yell at me? Are they going to throw their drink in my face? Are they going to complain to the staff that I'm bothering them and get me thrown out? Or worse, are they going to think that I'm a complete weirdo? I totally understand why TV and movies use the visual of the main character with an angel on one shoulder and the devil on the other. Except with me, it's not the devil on my other shoulder. It's just another me holding a giant sign that says, stay comfortable. And... Most of the time I do. I smile, I keep quiet, and I never do what I know God was calling me to do. I'm forever intrigued and convicted by one of my favorite books of all time, The Screwtape Letters by C.S. Lewis. The book is written satirically from the perspective of an elder demon writing letters to his nephew to encourage him in his job of keeping a human man from a relationship with God. Now, I know quoting C.S. Lewis in a sermon is a bit cliche these days, but hey, it's my first time, you gotta cut me some slack. In one of the letters, the experienced demon, um, the experienced uncle, writes this to his demon nephew. 
Prosperity knits a man to the world. He feels that he's finding his place in it, while really it's finding its place in him. His increasing reputation, his widening circle of acquaintances, his sense of importance, the growing pressure of absorbing and agreeable work, build up in him a sense of being really at home in earth, which is just what we want. And then later, he says, a moderated religion is as good for us as no religion at all. And more amusing. Lewis uses the word prosperity here, but I think that comfort in general could be easily interchanged for that word. Um, but if comfort is a thing that continues to hold us back, what would it look like to actually live unleashed? We've been in this Unleashed series for the past 11 weeks, and today we're actually wrapping it up. We followed the accounts of the early church because we want to learn from their example and we want to see God move today like he did back then. And we've got work to do. It's our job to continue what our brothers and sisters in Christ started 2,000 years ago. As we've said a bunch throughout this series, being followers of Jesus, we're missionaries on a mission. A mission that's a movement from Jerusalem to Judea and Samaria, and now for us to the very ends of the earth. We've learned about boldness and how Jesus is for everyone, how Jesus restores and gives us purpose. And even how, as we come up against trials and opposition, we have the same Holy Spirit standing with us as they did back then. Today, as we conclude the series in the book of Acts, we're going to continue reading Paul's account in Acts chapter 28, beginning in verse 16. As we turn there, uh, if you need a Bible, you can follow along in our free church app. Just click the message notes tile on the homepage. It'll bring you right to Acts 28 where you can follow along in the passage with us, and even has a place for you to jot down some notes as we go. At this point in the story, um, Paul has been arrested and put on trial before the Roman governor Felix, his successor Festus, King Agrippa, the king of Judea, and now he's sailing as a prisoner to Rome in order to appeal to Caesar. We pick up the story in Acts chapter 28, verse 16. When we got to Rome, Paul was allowed to live by himself, with a soldier to guard him. Three days later, he called together the local Jewish leaders. When they had assembled, Paul said to them, My brothers, although I have done nothing against our people or against the customs of our ancestors, I was arrested in Jerusalem and handed over to the Romans. They examined me and wanted to release me, because I was not guilty of any crime deserving death. The Jews objected, so I was compelled to make an appeal to Caesar. I certainly did not intend to bring any charge against my own people. For this reason, I have asked to see you and talk with you. It is because of the hope of Israel that I am bound with this chain. They replied, We have not received any letters from Judea concerning you, and there has reported, whoops, I'm sorry, and we have come from there and reported or said anything bad about you. But we want to hear what your views are, for we know that people everywhere are talking against this sect. Now, I know that Chris has said a few times earlier on in this series that a great opportunity to share uh, the gospel is to engage spiritual curiosity, but Paul has had to have learned his lesson by now. I mean, he's literally living as a prisoner in Rome, awaiting his appeal to Caesar for doing exactly that. At a certain point, Paul's just got to get it through his head that there's an appropriate time, place, and people to share the gospel with, right? Wrong. Let's see how Paul responds, continuing now in verse 23. They arranged to meet Paul on a certain day, 
and came in even larger numbers to the place where he was staying. He witnessed to them from morning till evening, explaining about the kingdom of God, and from the law of Moses, and from the prophets, he tried to persuade them about Jesus. Some were convinced by what he said, but others would not believe. They disagreed among themselves and began to leave after Paul had made his final statement. The Holy Spirit spoke the truth of your ancestors when he said through Isaiah the prophet, Go to this people and say, You will be ever hearing but never understanding. You will be ever seeing but never perceiving. For this people's heart has become calloused, and they hardly hear with their ears, and they have closed their eyes. Otherwise, they might see with their eyes, hear with their ears, understand with their hearts, and turn, and I would heal them. Therefore, I want you to know that God's salvation has been sent to the Gentiles, and they will listen. For two whole years, Paul stayed there in his own rented house and welcomed all who came to see him. He proclaimed the kingdom of God and taught about the Lord Jesus Christ with all boldness and without hindrance. Whether Paul was a brand new Christian or an experienced apostle, whether he was speaking to his own Jewish people or to Gentiles from distant lands, whether he was preaching the word of God in the middle of the street, in the middle of the day, or to a prison guard in the middle of the night, or whether he was standing before kings and councils or meeting with people in his humble, rented Roman home, Paul shared. He shared the gospel in the name of Jesus to everyone, everywhere, with all boldness and without hindrance. So, what can we learn from Paul? What does his relentless, unashamed pursuit of sharing the gospel teach us about overcoming our discomfort in the lie that we tell ourselves? That lie that there's an appropriate time, place, and people to share the gospel with. Well, here's what I believe we've learned through Paul and others over the last 12 weeks, and it's mostly this. The gospel knows no limits, so share it with no limits. If we're applying this idea based on the passage that we just covered today, um, we can look at three different things. The first being this. Number one, no limits on when. Verse 23 says, They arranged to meet Paul on a certain day and came in even larger numbers to the place where he was staying. He witnessed to them from morning till evening, explaining about the kingdom of God. And from the law of Moses and from the prophets, he tried to persuade them about Jesus. Paul didn't really adhere to social cues, if you know what I mean. Oh, it's six in the morning and you guys are trying to sleep? Well, let me just hang out on the street corner just outside your house and passionately share about the kingdom of God and the coming Messiah to anybody who will listen to me. Or, oh, you guys are having a meeting in the temple with all the religious leaders in your synagogues? Well, let me just pop in real quick and let you know that the way you're living is actually not honoring to God and you should probably repent and follow that guy Jesus that you just killed. And Paul's like, or you guys have had me in chains and on trial for preaching the name of Jesus? Well, let me take this perfect opportunity right now to let you know again that Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. He rose from the dead, and he's actually coming again to judge both the living and the dead. You see, Paul didn't really have it in his head that there was an appropriate time to share the gospel. He had no limits on when he was going to share Jesus in the kingdom of God. When is it for you? When do you feel is the correct time to share your faith with others? Does the idea of interrupting something or bothering someone keep you quiet when the Holy Spirit's telling you to speak? I know that's definitely something that I can struggle with personally sometimes. 
So that's the first thing that Paul's boldness demonstrates. The second is this, number two, no limits on where. The restorative and redemptive story of Paul and his ministry actually began on the road to Damascus where Paul first encountered Jesus and the truth about who he was and what he was calling Paul to. Check out this map. This account actually spans over multiple chapters. It took me a long time to go back through, but look at all these places. He goes to Jerusalem and Antioch. He goes to Athens and to Ephesus. He sails here and goes there. But the main theme throughout all of these things is, is this. He goes to a place, shares the gospel, then he gets persecuted within an inch of his life. He goes on to the next place and then he repeats. Then he even goes back to all these places again, um, just to check on the church, to pray for them, encourage them, and just see how they're doing. This map shows where he went on just his first missionary journey. Um, but the various accounts that we know of Paul actually say that there's another three missionary journeys that he went on. Uh, check out these other few maps that we've got. Eventually, um, he visits and preaches the gospel in at least the following places. Syria, Cilicia, Lystra, Derb, Phrygia, Galatia, Troas, Damascus, Philippi, Thessalonica, Macedonia, Brea, Athens, Corinth, Ephesus, Jerusalem, and Antioch. And eventually, then, he goes back to all these places over again, strengthens them, and encourages them and all the believers there. Finally, he sent to Rome in the passage that we just read today. Paul's life as an apostle, his whole life was characterized by sacrifice and obedience to wherever the Holy Spirit was leading him. In nearly all of those places, he was persecuted relentlessly, but he also played a huge part in the massive growth of the church. He had no limits on where he was going to share Jesus in the kingdom of God. Where are the places that God may be calling you? Is it your workplace, coffee shops, your neighbor's house? Where is it for you? And finally, number three, which is no limits on who. Paul tells the Jewish leaders in verse 28, Therefore, I want you to know that God's salvation has been sent to the Gentiles, and they will listen. These were the local Jewish leaders of Rome, the same type of Jewish leaders that had time and time again arrested, beaten, and even tried to kill Paul. He talked about being uncomfortable. I mean, I was joking earlier that my mind would dramatically envision the quiet person at the coffee shop getting upset with me and just throwing their drink in my face, which has never happened, by the way. But Paul was standing before people over and over again that he knew not only disagreed with him, but literally hated him and wanted to kill him for what he believed. Yet, he shared the gospel with them anyways. He shared with kings and with beggars. He shared with Pharisees and criminals, with Jews and Gentiles. For us, it might be our co-workers or our neighbors, our friends, family, maybe complete strangers. These people in our life, they're our mission. They're the who's we are called to. We have to remember Jesus is for everyone. And I know it can be so uncomfortable to talk with, let alone share Jesus with certain people in our life. Maybe they believe something different. Maybe they choose not to believe what the Bible says at all. Maybe they seem busy or just not interested. Maybe they have a different lifestyle or political views than you do. Maybe they're aggressive and just angry. 
I shared earlier that there are many opportunities that I personally miss or choose to ignore, but sometimes the Holy Spirit is patient with me, which I'm thankful for, and he gives me multiple chances to get it right. Back when I lived in Maine, I didn't work at a church. I worked at one of the hospitals in Portland. And as an employee there, we had to park at this big uh, off-site parking lot, and then we were shuttled over to the hospital for work. This was not the most uh, fun in the world. People were usually grumpy, they were in a rush, um, just generally in a bad mood. But few people were as aggressive and grumpy as this one shuttle driver that we had named Mike. He was honestly incredibly hard to be around. Some people would even choose to like wait for the next shuttle instead of riding with him. Um, now you know you're not the most friendly person in the world when people would rather wait in the cold or the rain or the snow than hop in the shuttle and ride with you. Uh, over a few months of riding with him, I would just do my best to try to be friendly and engage uh, and just brief small talk with Mike. It, it was brutal, but slowly I got to know some of his interests and just a little bit about his family. It was sort of back and forth though. Sometimes I'd feel like Mike was softening up and then other times I was just convinced he hated me. But I remember one morning as I was riding into work, it was just myself, one other employee and Mike. He was in a particularly bad mood that morning and was complaining that his back was effing killing him and had been for weeks. The other employee looked over at me. She had this look on her face of like, here we go again, and so we just sat in silence on our ride to the hospital. As I sat there though, we got closer and closer, and that pesky voice inside started to say what I had honestly hoped it never would. You need to talk to him. You need to share Jesus with him and pray for him. I instantly started to just feel my stomach turn. I was like, no, please God, not him. Please, anyone but him is sadly all I could think. But. The Holy Spirit wasn't backing off that time. I sat there for probably five minutes, wrestling with what I knew God was giving me instructions to do. Finally, we get to the hospital and the other employee gets off the shuttle and it's just me and Mike. I was uncomfortable. As I got to the front of the shuttle, God somehow gave me the boldness that I needed and I just said, hey Mike, this is gonna probably sound like a little weird, but I just feel like God's asking me to tell you that Jesus loves you, man and that I should be praying for you and for your back pain, would that be all right? Is there anything else I can be praying for? I don't really know what happened and definitely didn't expect it, but Mike turned around in his seat and he had the biggest smile that I've ever seen him give. And he just said, hey man, thanks so much. That would actually be great. My son is turning eight this weekend and gets to come stay with me for a whole week. Would you mind praying that things go really well and that he has a fun time. That conversation changed the relationship I had with Mike for the rest of the time he worked there. He still had his bad days, but whenever we saw each other, something was a little bit different. Now, I know that story probably isn't the most incredible story of evangelism you've ever heard, but it was a big deal for me. It was then and still is a reminder that I will never make an impact for God if I don't do the things that he asked me to do. James 1, 22-25 says this. Do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves. Do what it says. 
Anyone who listens to the word but does not do what it says is like someone who looks at his face in a mirror, and, after looking at himself, goes away and immediately forgets what he looks like. But whoever looks intently into the perfect law that gives freedom and continues in it, not forgetting what they have heard, but doing it, they will be blessed in what they do. For those of us that are followers of Jesus, do we truly believe what we say that we believe? When my wife and I were back in Maine a few weeks ago, uh, a friend of mine named Keenan actually said this in his message. He said, what you believe about Jesus and where you place him in your life is going to impact the way that you live. If you say that you believe he is who he says that he is, but then put other things like comfort above him in your life, um, then you're going to continue to live in a way that puts those other things first. We have to live like he is king if we want to be a part of his kingdom. As we move on from the series and continue on with our life, in order to live unleashed as Jesus calls us to, we have to remember that the gospel knows no limits, so we have to share it with no limits. For those of you that don't yet have a relationship with Jesus, let me be honest with you and, and, and say that following Jesus is not always easy. It's certainly not always comfortable, but following Jesus will give you peace and joy and hope, not only in this life, but also the one to come. None of us are good enough to enter heaven on our own. We've all separated ourselves from God by our sin, but he loves us enough to pursue a relationship with us anyway. Jesus made a way for us to have that relationship, and the terms are simple. Romans says this, If you declare with your mouth Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For it is with your heart that you believe and are justified, and it is with your mouth that you profess your faith and are saved. As scripture says, anyone who believes in him will never be put to shame, for there is no difference between Jew and Gentile. The same Lord is Lord of all and richly blesses all who call on him, for everyone who calls in the name of the Lord will be saved. <laughs>